Welcome to the new Doxinopod presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Doxinopod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Tamika Perry and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Tamika Perry. So you are not going to believe where we are going with today's Doxinopod. Snakes, stay tuned. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. Delighted to have you with us. Doxinopod comes to you every week. We spend a half hour talking about a variety of health and other related issues as they impact seniors and their families and others. And the podcast, Docs in a Pod, available wherever you get your podcasts. Dr. Tamika Perry, our co-host, is a uh, associate medical director at WellMed. Uh, she is a graduate of the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Did a residency at Methodist Charlton Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. Undergrad, went to Prairie View A&M. And as always, Dr. Perry, we let folks know you love to travel. You have pretty safe and sane hobbies compared to the next family and doctor we're going to talk to, right? Do have safe and sane hobbies. And I try to avoid things like snakes when I'm on vacation, but apparently some people really like them. Well, it gives me a chance to introduce our special guest, Dr. Amber Stevens. Uh, Dr. Stevens is with the Optum Main Clinic in uh, Dunedin, Florida, earned her medical degree from Drexel University College of Medicine in Philadelphia. The two of you were in Philadelphia at different times, although your ages are pretty close. She completed her residency at Bayline Medical Center in the St. Petersburg, Florida area. Dr. Stevens is board certified in family medicine. And when I said to her before we started recording, because I always ask our guests, what would people be surprised to find out about you? And she dropped a couple of really interesting tidbits. First of all, welcome to you, Dr. Stevens. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Now, you mentioned to me that uh, you got a side hustle. You are a certified digital fitness coach. You help people build strength and lose weight and maintain that. Mm -hmm. And I gather it's all done digitally over the Zoom or what? Uh, We use Facebook or cell phone, FaceTimes. I do a lot of texting. And then there's a a virtual app they have access to 24-7. And you're available 24-7? No, but the app's available, and then we set up times to meet if we need to. Cool. And and then you added, and my husband has a side hustle, too. He breeds snakes. How did that happen? Oh, my goodness. So it started about, I guess, almost two years ago, or maybe just a little over two years ago at this point in time. My oldest son, who's now 10 and a half, um, really wanted a snake. And I was sort of iffy about it, to be totally honest. Um, not really, never saw myself as a reptile person. We've always had lots of furry animals around the house. We also have two dogs and then two cats. And my husband's like, well, you know, we'll just, let's start with a little ball python, which, you know, they get to be like, they're, they're smaller snakes. They're pretty easy to manage. And then one ball python turned into two ball pythons. And then we're at the uh, reptile show in Tampa, and we're picking up a bearded dragon for my oldest son. And we found, we met a a company that does, uh, they breed short tail pythons, um, Kingdom Animale, and they 
they had a beautiful layout. They were telling us all about the animals. My husband just absolutely fell in love with them. And we came home with one. And I would say over the course of the next, over the, well, next, it ended up being about the next uh, year and a half, we now have acquired, I believe we, we're at about 30 snakes total, somewhere oh. in that ballpark. Most of them are, are short tail pythons, which are better known as blood pythons or Sumatrans. There's some different um, species in there. And then um, we also have, we still have our two ball pythons that we started with. Uh, and then we also have a baby rainbow boa and a leopard boa who is full grown. So we've got full grown meaning a, she's about six feet, six and a half feet. She's her, her name's Cleo, but she's, of course. yeah, she's, uh, she's seven years old. So how long do they live? Uh, depends on the species, but the, the short tails, which is what my husband uh, is doing, is they last, they can live 30 to 40 years. Wow. Yeah. That's like a parrot. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so we have a very busy household. We have, we have lots of animals running around in addition to children. And so. <laughs> now I'm assuming the snakes are caged in some fashion. They're not running loose. Uh, no, that we have a whole rack system and, and they're very happy and healthy and that they, they're warm and kept safe and they, they're happy where they're at. They're much happier than if we had them in a bunch of terrariums, to be honest. So, so. do you ever walk by the cage and go, wait, is it 29 or 30 in there? I mean, <laughs> well, you know I mean? it helps they're not. They're not all in the same cage. They all have their own spaces. So we know who's in which one. <laughs> okay. But yeah. I've had a bearded dragon. They're great pets. Yeah, I mean, they're a lot of fun. So what, what made you guys go like, oh, that's so warm and cute. And he greets me when I comes to the door and I want a snake. And then another one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know. Like, that's kind of where I started. I was like, why would we want a snake? Like, they don't do anything. We have dogs and cats and they want petted. And, and then it's interesting because... I'm not going to sit here and tell you they all have personalities and stuff because it's not like having a dog or a cat. They don't have the same brain function, obviously, but they there are some that are, you know, they have things that they like better than others. And, you know, some of them prefer to be under the paper as opposed to on top of the paper. Some of them really like to soak. Um, you know, some of them will come up to the window when you're coming by because, Either they're hungry and they know that you're the the feed the holder of the food, or, or you're the they, next meal. I mean, I, no, not quite. But no. Ever, I mean, like, what about the are the cats afraid of them? And is, do you ever go like, "Where's Fluffy?" And you know, you get concerned. No. That the they're cat not that big, first of oh, all. Okay. No, none okay. of them are that big. We're not worried about any of my my other pets disappearing. Um, <laughs> I think the the oldest and largest snake we have. He is 13 years old. He's actually um, from one of the original bloodlines, and. Um, he's like I say, he's 13 years old. His, uh, he's a redhead, but he's only, he's even that he's about six feet long. So the biggest thing is they get really fat. So they're just a little different kind of snake, but you know, they're pretty docile and, and I'll be honest after scooping litter boxes and picking up dog poop and everything else, the, the snakes are actually way easier. Wow. <laughs> So we're going to move on from here because I get a headache talking about all this. And headaches are what we're going to talk about right after I remind people you're listening to Docs in a Pod 
I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, and we're talking with Dr. Amber Stevens, and Dr. Stevens with Optum Maine down in Dunedin, Florida. Delighted to have her on board. And one of the things I know you wanted to talk about, and it's so important, are migraines and headaches. Uh, years ago, I had a really, really good friend in San Antonio, ultimately was killed in an auto crash. Dr. Robert Nett was his name, who was a pharmacist and an MD and specialized in migraines as a practice because he and his wife both got migraines. Talk to us about what a migraine is versus a regular run-of-the-mill headache. So the concept of headaches in general, I mean, they've been around forever. As, you know, as long as people have been around, people have been having headaches and migraines, but uh, nobody really legitimized uh, the reality of that headaches were real until even just the last, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. Um, for a lot of times, people, women would have headaches when they had their cycles or uh, migraines. And, and if somebody had never experienced that, there's no way to see it. Migraines are very much a silent disease. So you can't look at somebody who has a migraine and say, oh, that person's sick. And so it took a long time to even get to the point where they recognized it as a viable diagnosis. The There are multiple kinds of headaches. Migraines are one type of headache, um, along with tension headaches, uh, some trigeminal stuff, which is a little less common, and then even sinus headaches. We, we see tons of sinus headaches because of between allergy seasons and people getting respiratory infections. And so some of that stuff can even overlap. Um, because there's different kinds of headaches, they have different causes. Um, migraines specifically seem to be either mediated via vascular pathways. Uh, uh, serotonin is even one of the things they've really looked into. In fact, some of the most common treatments for migraines are serotonin-based, uh, which is one of the neurotransmitters in the brain. And then they've been, a lot of the new data coming out is even looking at another thing called calcitonin uh, gene-related peptides, which, uh, which is kind of cool because it's a whole new area of medicine within that field. The migraines are the ones that can cause our auras where people see spots or they get little wigglies. And often when people have nausea and vomiting, uh, pulsing, light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, those are things that fit with that migraine diagnosis. So and for the longest time, there really weren't very effective treatments, but that's changed in the last couple decades. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I'm one of those who does occasionally get an aura. You mentioned squigglies. If I get little squigglies, I have a preventive escape medicine that I can take that will prevent the migraine. Yes. So when we treat migraines, you can either look at treating migraines from a preventative standpoint, so something that someone would take every single day to prevent the migraine from occurring in the first place, or you would give them something to take as soon as they know a migraine's occurring. So if someone does is, I don't want to say lucky enough to get an aura because nobody wants to get any of this, but no, I'm, I'm lucky to get it because yeah. I don't get the headache. If then you don't it. get the pain. Some people right. don't get the auras and then they just get the pain, but Ooh. Even then, if they can take the medicine at the onset of their symptoms, they're, they're much more likely to get full resolution of the migraine quickly, as opposed to waiting until it had kind of gotten out of control. 
Uh, but the medications are either angled at that prevention where you take it every day or angled at stopping it altogether. What actually causes the pain? What's, what's happening? It feels sometimes like your head is either exploding or crushing in. So that's a really interesting discussion because in general, the I don't really think that it's incredibly well understood. There seems to be uh, discussions about the vascular aspects of it. Like if some people get a uh, spasm of the arteries within the mind, inside the brain, and then they get a release, like the, the arteries release, and then you get this throbbing that can cause a migraine, but it's not from one person to another can vary. You know, the people who have that happen may respond really well to one kind of medication, but not another. Uh, there's some question on even if it overlaps with some seizure activities, if you do an EEG on patients while they're having migraines, some of them will actually look like they're having seizures and wow. they're not. Stay with um, me a minute. Stay yeah. with me. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron with Dr. Tamika Perry, our co-host, and we're talking with Dr. Amber Stevens about migraines, diagnosis, treatment, medications, and more. You're going to want to stick with us, especially if you or someone you know gets migraines or other headaches. You're listening to Docs in a Pod. Hi, it's Drew Pearson from my friends at WellMed. As a Hall of Famer, I love it when a quarterback and receiver have a great connection. You can be part of a great connection too. Connecting WellMed's high-quality healthcare with the highest-rated Medicare Advantage plan helps you focus on staying healthy. Call 210-436-6005 or visit wellmedhealthcare.com slash connect. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesperson. Other plans are accepted. For full enrollment details, visit medicare.gov. You know, there are times I wish we were also recording for playback what we talk about during these short breaks. I'm not going to tell you everything, but it was interesting. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Tamika Perry and Dr. Amber Stevens is with us. This is Docs in a Pod. We're available on podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. The award-winning Docs in a Pod has been coming to you for the last couple of years, and we're delighted to bring you all kinds of information, not only on medical care and medical treatments and medical issues like headaches, which we're talking about today, but other stuff. So, Dr. Stevens, migraines, how do you diagnose the type of migraine, if that matters, and then match uh, the treatment? And is it always medication, or do you use psychological biofeedback, for example? Oh, well, I I think the answer there is actually both. But Traditionally, migraines are, when you're talking about working up a headache to begin with, you're looking at a patient's history, you're asking them questions about when those headaches are occurring, how often they're occurring, how long they're lasting, how intense they are. Um, You're going to ask them specific things about the headache, like the aura that we talked about. Do you you have any visual auras, prickly pins and needles symptoms, vision loss? occasionally like and i hesitate you wouldn't even want to assume this but you'd want to if someone has these symptoms you want to assume that they're having a stroke first but you know occasionally people even have like muscle weakness um and they might even get like facial droop because it's a neuro, the, the neuro, excuse me the neurological connection so i actually did see one person when i was in medical school that in the neurology team they did the the true million dollar workup on this patient and never found anything because she kept having these onsets of unilateral full body weakness 
and in almost paralysis. And they finally realized that it was migranous and they wow. put her on a migraine prevention and it stopped happening. Um, so people can get some very, uh, cause she wasn't getting a headache. That's what was making things more right. entertaining. But because of that, if you're getting any kind of those symptoms, you obviously want to make sure you're not having a stroke first. So you tell everybody, go to the hospital. If you think you're having a stroke, we can tell you it's a migraine later, but let's make sure you're not having something life-threatening to begin with. Because but, time is of the essence. Time's always right. of the essence. Right. right. So, but, Beyond that, people who have migraines will often describe it as a pulsating pain. Um, they're going to have light and sound sensitivity, like I said before, maybe one or the other or both. Um, they tend to be more one-sided as opposed to global, but it's not, that's, none of this is hard and fast. Um, it, usually they'll last for a day. Sometimes they can last for several days. If you can get the medicine in quickly, sometimes they go away sooner. You can have nausea and vomiting. Uh, Kids who get migraines can get abdominal pain um, and may not actually even get headaches. They may just wow. get abdominal pain. Uh, but the bottom line is that when they occur, they're disabling. Okay. You, they prevent you from really doing what you need to do and get through your day. And then beyond that, if you can make a real clear cut diagnosis and you're confident that it's a migraine, you can move forward with treatment and trying some different things out. Um, if you're not certain then, or there's any, what we call like red flag symptoms, uh, where the time of day, the migraine comes on or the headache comes on, or if it's got any neurological symptoms or there's any other concerns, we can always follow it up with some imaging. I always ask my patients when their last eye exam was, because if they're trying to stare at their computer screen all day long and they need new glasses, maybe that's a problem and they need to fix that. Um, doing some blood work to make sure there's no other organic cause for the symptoms. And then last but not least, which I would personally refer to a neurologist would be to, if they needed to have any kind of like lumbar puncture, or spinal fluid tap or something along those lines. You always, you, you always want to let your, your PCP know if you're having headaches, you know, you just, absolutely. you know, you just don't want to just gratuitously take medicine, keep taking medicine over the counter, even if it says mm -hmm. it's for migraines. You yep. know, I have migraines. My father had migraines and my sister, who's a physician also has migraines. Yep. And I realized when I was in medical school, my dad would take this medicine, it would go away, then he would get another headache. He would take this medicine, it would go away, another headache. And I was like, he was having rebound headaches. Yep. So you want to let your provider know so they can put you on the, the, the proper treatment so you're not compounding a situation, making Absolutely. a situation worse. Yeah, I actually saw a patient this morning and that's exactly what was happening. She was waking up, she was having a headache, she was taking she was taking a combination of acetaminophen and ibuprofen and she's been doing it every single morning. And then she's wondering why she's waking up with a headache the next day again. Right. And this is the exact conversation we actually had. So if you're having a headache, let us know. The primary care doctors are still the first line, even for this kind of stuff. We're not going to just refer you to neurology for every headache. That's not necessary. A lot of this can be managed by your primary care physician. When you say rebound headache, that literally is what's happening? Mm -hmm. You get a reduction in inflammation um, or, you know, vascular congestion or pain relief for a very brief period of time. And then when the medicine wears off, it comes back. Well, it's if, you know, it's when people are over, it's similar to when people are overusing um, the decongestant nasal sprays and they use it for several days in a row and it works really well. And then after a while, their nose goes, hey, I need this now. And without it, I'm going to swell. Right. So, and the same thing happens with the pain relievers when people are using the over-the-counter medications for my, for headache, even if it's just like, you know, a tension headache, if they're doing it every day, it's a problem. Wow.
So what are the medications? And I know uh, there are, because I see them advertised all the time, they're newer and newer medicines targeting migraines. Well, what are the medications of choice and, and which work best with which patients? Oh, wow. Okay. So there are a lot of medicines on the market. And from a preventative medication standpoint, where you would take something every day, the older medication that honestly, I still think works pretty well is um, propranolol, which is a beta blocker. Um, it's extended release. It works really well for patients to have that vascular element. The downside is that for some people, it can make them feel kind of tired. So you have to, and you have to watch blood pressures. So it's not a totally benign drug, but the reality is none of these medicines are totally benign. None of them are, I wouldn't even recommend using them unless somebody actually needed to have them. Um, we can look at prevention from a nerve standpoint, some of the anti-seizure drugs, some of the old antidepressants even have benefit because of how they affect neurotransmitter function. Um, one of the newer, but still generic at this point, uh, antidepressants that I actually found works fairly well is duloxetine, which is was branded as Cymbalta. And I find that for a lot of my patients, because they have overlapping anxiety, stress, sleep issues, most of your migraine patients don't sleep real well. Medicine not only helps them sleep a little better, but then they're getting that neurotransmitter benefit for prevention of the chronic neuropathic pain. So that seems to be a good option. There's um, some newer medications on the market that really are focused more in on that calcitonin gene-related peptides. And some of those are like monthly things that people take, some of the injections. We still have the preventative medication. I mean, I'm sorry, the, um, the medications you take, I mean, we use the term abortive in medicine, but it's I, I hate using it. People always misinterpret what I'm right. saying, but we're trying to end the headache. Okay. Um, the, the classics are going to be the Sumatriptan, which was Imitrex. That was one of the first ones on the market that caught, that works on not only serotonin, but works to close that vascular swelling. And it still um, works. And it still works. And it's still a first line drug. When I have someone who has migraines, um, their potential, that whole class of medicines potentially can interact with some of the antidepressants. So this goes back to making sure that your doctors know exactly what you're taking. Uh, so we're not giving you anything that potentially can interact. Um, there are several other medications within that same class of Imitrex or Sumatriptan that work exactly the same. They're just different versions of the same drug. So, but like with most people, because there's a little bio-individuality, one person may respond better to one than another. Uh, there are uh, sometimes people get really great results with using a combination of ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and caffeine. Like, I mean, I, the, the brand on the market's Excedrin. I don't yeah, want Excedrin someone doing migraine. that all the time. But if someone gets a migraine like maybe once a month and they can take two Excedrins on the off start, then that's still potentially going to be a better choice than taking a prescription medication. Um, assuming they don't have any problems with their stomach or kidneys or anything that would preclude them using that medicine. But once again, discussion with your doctor is very important to make sure you're doing what's best for your care in your situation. And for those who get an aura warning about a migraine, what, what do you recommend now? Um, I, you, to take the medication, whichever medicine you're prescribed to stop that migraine, you take it when you get the aura. You don't wait until the headache shows up because the headache's going to come so you already know the process of what this, how this is going to progress. So 
take the medicine as soon as you know there's a problem and maybe prevent the pain from happening altogether. I've gotten um, Laura's pulled over on the side of the road, took my preventative, my abortive medicine, waited for a second and then started driving again. Cause I was like, I know it's coming. It's coming. Yep. Yeah. And then I think we're, we're leaving out a little bit of the elephant in the room. And that's the fact that a lot of these are hormonally driven. Yeah. Um, a large majority of obviously women in this case that get migraines often experience them around their menstrual cycles. And the treatment's not that different in regards to managing the migraine itself. You're still looking at preventative and um, abortive medications, but at the same time, you're also looking at how you can help mitigate any hormonal disruption that may be causing that issue. So having a really good conversation with uh, your doctor about how do you, how are your cycles running? Are they regular? Are you having heavy menstrual cycles? Is there a change? Um, when does the migraine hit before the, my beforehand, like, what would you like how that all fits together? And that way we can look at how can we help you out? Maybe if you're a candidate, the answer is actually to do some kind of hormonal birth control where we skip your cycles altogether and we keep your hormones more level. Wow. Um, and there's a lot of women out there that have gotten total improvement on their migraines simply by managing their hormone status. Right. I got to stop you right there. The key to this is talk to your PCP. Don't keep it a secret from them. And Dr. Amber Stevens, thank you so much for joining us. A fascinating discussion and a little bit of snakes. For those of you who didn't hear that part, get the podcast and you'll hear it. For Dr. Tamika Perry, I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you all so much for joining us on Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Natalie Ibarra and associate producer is Isaac Wilker. Thank you for listening to Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Docs in a Pod with Dr. Tamika Perry and Ron Aaron.